Welcome everyone to the Chief Yuya podcast. I am Chief Yuya, and uh, today we're going to deal with the concept of seeking wisdom in this session. All right, and I know a lot of us have our own associations with um, wisdom, and whether that come through some traumatic experiences you may have had, or some joyous experiences we may have had, or just being um, fortunate enough to be in a company of people who are far more advanced than we are, who were willing or are willing to share their wisdom with us. You know, I think uh, especially for those of us who exist within the sphere of the Anu space, uh, we hear the word used often, you know, often in the sequence of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and how those interplay with each other. But uh, there has to be a certain mathematical sequence to each and if that sequence isn't in place then there can be uh, dire consequences to one's own mental state and um, of course their own their own understanding and their wisdom right so uh, I want to get into this because I want to speak about what precedes wisdom you know a lot of times when we think about wisdom it seems like we just go out we go get wisdom or um, something happens and we become wise as a result, but there are things that we can do or um, states that we can exist in or be in that can block wisdom, just like we can block love, you know? So um, going astray from our natural inclination towards wisdom is sometimes uh, not even noticed because of the layers of uh, ego and deliberate decisions and misuse of our gifts of free will. Um, so I wanted to speak about that. And for those who are having difficulty and may feel that it's impossible for them to become wise and they just keep making the same mistakes over and over again, I wanted to provide a bit of relief in this segment and some encouragement, um, but active encouragement, not just you can make it, <laughs> but, you know, to really let you know how you can uh, most certainly reverse that condition. All right. So for this segment, I wanted to use um, one of the examples I want to use. The, the prime example is Solomon. Right. And the reason I'm going to go with Solomon is because um, when we think about um, at least as far as in the Hebraic scriptural sense or even outside of that, if you're dealing with uh, magic in the occult, Solomon is a well-known figure. You know, uh, if, if you're working with the lesser keys of Solomon, or if you're working with the seal of Solomon, if you're working with the jinn, you know, or if you are studying different um, gems of wisdom like Proverbs and you know, um, or understanding about the science of the Ark of the Covenant and what it means to make a covenant, you know, and to have a symbol of that, um, then Solomon's name is going to come up. Of course, there is the uh, famous stories of uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba as well, which has been depicted in movies and, you know, even up until recently with the film uh, 3,000 Years of, Long of Longing, you know, so... We have this concept of wisdom and Solomon almost being intrinsically linked to the point that Solomon almost becomes a, a definition, if you will, of the word wisdom. So I'm going to utilize the um, 
story and some of the allegories a bit of King Solomon uh, for us to understand the necessity of wisdom. And I say necessity because um, there are whole conversations that happen before we gain wisdom. And for many of us, we look at wisdom as the ability to know what to do, you know, or a gift of discerning where something happens or something comes in front of our, our life experience. And we have the understanding or the ability to say, do it this way, don't do it that way, or to honor this particular uh, path and that path over there is not necessarily maybe where you want to be. And certainly that is an aspect of wisdom, without a doubt. That is that is an aspect of wisdom. You know, there is that intuitive aspect that's required. Um, there's that ability to judge, you know, as we see with Solomon, because he actually was a judge, you know, um, and to provide a certain discriminating uh, viewpoint and vision uh, where you can use your knowing and use that capacity of knowing um, to look beyond what may be in front of you, to discern deeper into into what's actually happening, right? So, you know, there's a divine, uh, spiritual, supernatural sort of, sort of consciousness that can be um, attained through uh, the gathering or the owning of wisdom, right? And those things are are true. Those things are are correct in terms of of what wisdom can be. But wisdom goes even deeper than that, right? Um, but it's it's so deep that it's simple. But for some, it's it's difficult, right? So I, what I want to begin with, um, and let me before we even begin for you first time listeners, I just want to say welcome, right? Um, thank you for for showing up and coming through and willfully, um, by the time we're done, you will have something, uh, that you can store up <laughs> and use in this incarnation to, you know, help caref carefully guard the things in your life that you need to by use of wisdom and to express the things, the other things that you need to through your own divine thinking. All right. So. I'm going to share a little bit of the story of um, how Solomon came into wisdom. Now, some may or may not know that Solomon is the child of King David and Bathsheba. Okay, so some of you may be familiar with the story of uh, David and Bathsheba. Uh, again, another very popular story, even if you're uh, maybe not necessarily someone who read scripture or anything like that, uh, the story of, of Bathsheba and uh, King David uh, covening and desiring Bathsheba to the point that um, he conspired and achieved in having her, her husband Uriah killed, you know, so that he could lay with this woman who he saw bathing um, naked on her roof in plain sight where she obviously knew he could see her, <laughs> you know, so um, he is the child of that union. Solomon is the child 
of that union. And the reason why I, I add that to our build, you know, into our understanding is because it's significant to who and what Solomon was and how he was perceived, not only by, um, man, but in man, man and woman, um, but also perceived by the higher will, which, which we call, um, the supreme intelligence or the creator, you know, so there's a way that we can, we can look at this. And in order to do so, we have to be able to focus on different areas of the journey of Solomon, right? And Solomon, which, uh, originally was Shlomo, Shlomo meaning, uh, peace or more importantly, we, we usually transliterate it to peace, but it, it actually means to be whole. It means to be in contact and it means integrity. Okay. So, um, we provide many different translations to Solomon, but in reality, Shlomo, which doesn't maybe sound necessarily as, as cool <laughs> as Solomon, it actually means integrity. And, you know, when things are whole, I, I did a segment on integrity before, but you know, when you're dealing with it, when it, when an integer or just something that hasn't or someone who has integrity, they're coming with the fullness of their structure. Okay. Very significant to who Solomon is in comparison to his father, David. You know, when we speak about the integrity and, and integrity doesn't necessarily mean that I do good things all the time. Integrity means that I'm true to my structure. I'm true to my build, you know, so it's just like a building. Buildings often are tested for integrity to see if they can actually hold the amount of weight or the amount of um, turbulence that they are um, built to hold, just like bridges are tested for integrity. If you tell me this bridge can hold this much weight and take this much wind, then we have to test to see if it actually can do that. So, um, Shlomo or Solomon, we'll use Solomon going forward to, to uh, remove any kind of com- confusion. Um, ultimately was, uh, about being, was a symbol of the whole person, you know, a symbol of the person who is able to maintain, uh, their integrity, you know, and Solomon was a, was a name that was given to Solomon by the people because of what he was able to establish during his reign. We'll, we'll get into that in just a moment, but let's start with um, a little bit of reading. And then I want to explain how, you know, cause Solomon, let's look at again, the name um, being complete, being in, in integrity, but also Solomon, son of man, right? And we understand that the sun is representative of the soul or that inner, that internal fire. So if we look at the, even just by name Solomon, we can understand that we're speaking about the soul of man, you know, so there's a soul consciousness that's being spoken about due, um, with the story of Solomon, you know, and Solomon represents the center of something. You know, we have, for instance, the city Zion, which was David's city. And uh, Zion has to have a center. And uh, in, in my last segment, I spoke about the Chaldeans and how their 
their chief city was Ur, right? So Ur represents the soul of the city. Whenever you have uh, a chief city that's mentioned, it's representing the, um, the mind or the consciousness of a particular space. So you'll have the city that you'll have, um, a city or you'll have a group of people and they'll say, okay, our, our chief city is Ur. And that chief city is a symbol of the raised consciousness that presides over the wider psychic perception of all of its, its subjects, right? So Solomon, just like your soul, your soul is your, your chief city. Your soul is your, your center in all of the different cells and the aura that you have in your physical body and and your spirits and, and your spirit spirits really and your mood and, and your processes and your actions um and all of these different things that you surround yourself with they are um hovering or they're they're centered around this center of you that you call a soul right or that is called a soul and in knowing the different um ways to interact and communicate with the soul it opens up your pathway to divinity. You know, it opens up your pathway to transforming and evolving and awakening, awakening uh, the creative aspects of your consciousness and understanding and viewing your soul contracts, you know, your spiritual contracts, your life purpose and the way that you heal, right? So all of this is wrapped up in the name Solomon, right? Or Sol Amun, Sol Amun. Right. Um, Sun Amun, like Amun Ra, you know, Amun being the unseen or the or the, or the hidden, you know. So it's still this whether you're looking at it as Solomon, son of man, or you're looking at it at as uh, Sol Amun, you know, which could be the son of Amun, Amun being the hidden. There's still this this balance in the name of uh the divine and what is seen right so whether it's the sun and the hidden sun which is our moon or whether it's soul of man which is we can see man but we can't see the soul right um it there's an understanding that all of these things are needed to create a whole person or to establish what we understand to be as integrity you see so that alone right they're just starting with the the name right to help us to understand why we're looking at Solomon, you know, and, and most importantly, how that vibration connects to us. There are vibrations that are undetectable, you know, with our physical eye, but we can see with our spiritual eye and there's energy fields, you know, and then there's things that we can see with our physical eye, which are a big part of our nature and a big part of our mission and a big part of our purpose, you know, and we, we learn to, navigate those things through what we call the practical world. Okay. So Solomon is, is an example of that wholeness, right? Um, so I'm going to start with first Kings third chapter and I'm going to go to, I'm going to go from the third chapter and I'm going to go here we go. And I'm going to go to the fifth verse. Okay. In Gibeon, or Gibeon, the Lord 
appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give, ask what I shall give thee. So saying that, um, in this place of Gibeon, right? Solomon was sleeping. He was having a dream. And the Lord, which was really, you see there's two words used there, the Lord, and then it says God, right? Um, let you know that it wasn't just one entity talking, but that's, that's the, the tricky things that the writers, the writers do in these books. So they'll say, Oh, well, Lord and God are the same thing, but they're not. Um, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God asked, what shall I give thee? The reality is, um, when you study it, the word is actually Adonai. Okay. And some people will say, well, that's just another name for God. And it's not, it's another God. Okay, so it was actually Adonai who said, you know, what is it that you want? You know, what is it that I can do for you? You know, um, basically offering him a gift because Solomon didn't necessarily ask for anything, but he's saying, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to offer you something. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth. And in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people. Thou cannot be numbered. That cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this? Thy soul, a great people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. All right. And it, it goes on. We can go on to more, but I want to go back a little bit. Right. So a lot of times when we, we hear about this story and we say, Oh, Solomon was wise. Solomon was wise or Solomon was smart. He only asked, uh, for wisdom. He, you know, you, you, you got, you have this, this, uh, in this entity in front of you that obviously has the ability to, uh, transmit itself into your dis your dimension and reconstruct reality right we i guess we call that a miracle and you could have asked for anything and um you asked for wisdom but there was something that happened prior to that which we don't tend to speak about and that has a lot to do with because of the way we um move ourselves through the world and and how the world is is presented to us the first thing that Solomon did was he humbled himself before, before he asked for anything, you know, he humbled himself and he didn't go forward. You see, so like if I said to a person, uh, if you could get three wishes, what would it be? And you start saying, oh man, the ending of world peace. I want the power to teleport and I want 10 more wishes, right? But everything is, I want, I, I want something going forward, but there's no acknowledgement of what has already been done. 
So the very first thing that Solomon did was he said, man, you know, you showed unto thy servant David, my father, great, great mercy. You know, and he's saying, which this, there's so many significant things here. Uh, he's saying, you know, he walked in righteousness and uprightness of the heart of the Okan, the heart. You know, you've heard me speak about the negative confessions of my aunt before and how it's not speaking about physical acts, but it's speaking about a state of being that exists within your heart. That's why your heart is weighed against the feather, not your body. You know, so he's saying, yeah, he, you know, he was after your own heart because there were things that he did that maybe necessarily weren't always right. But in his heart, he was always right. It's a careful balance there, right? And he said, thou has shown him this great kindness and mercy. Yeah, showed him mercy because physically he built up some bad karma. But you still blessed him with a son to sit on his throne. So that right there speaks about legacy. And that's such a powerful thing, which we could do a whole nother segment about at another point. Um, the value of having a son. And the value of having a son who can continue your work forward, because um, one of the things that, you know, it speaks about in Kings is how Solomon walked in the ways of his father. You see, so that's an important thing to be able to be made in your father's image and to continue that legacy and that mission forward. So that's already a sign of humility. You see, which a lot of us uh, struggle with in the West because, I mean, you see it all all the time. You know, uh, children are constantly pumped with these ideas of liberty and freedom. And you don't have to listen to your parents and your parents don't know. And it's your life. Live your life. Live your life. And, yeah, there is there is a truism to that. Absolutely. But then there's also there's a thing called uh, gratefulness. You know, when something is provided to you, typically you have to repay. You know, and you can choose not to repay, but it's ethically correct to pay for it. You know, it's it's a contract. So when you you make a bilateral contract and a service or a product is is promised and you say, I'm going to pay for this service or product, you typically will do that. Right. So if, if your father or your mother has a, a business and they and you say, well, I, I don't want anything to do with the business, but I but I'd be willing to work in it for seven years before I go do the thing that I want to do you know, out of appreciation, right? And that's a, obviously a, just a non-thought in a lot of Western cultures. But I, I actually have comrades, you know, who are Asian. And, you know, I, a close friend of mine I was speaking to the other day, uh, he has a, a master's in accounting, and he works in his parents' restaurant. I mean, it's Chinese food. You know, he was just talking about, you know, how he looks forward to doing something else at some point. He's been there for almost 10 years. But he said, you know, soon I, I know my father's going to sell the business. And at this point, you know, he's saying probably I think in another five or so years, my father will sell the business. And I want to be able to do something else afterwards, you know, and he was concerned that he hasn't used his skill set as much and maybe looking into going into another field. But there was no complaint about I had to work in my parents' restaurant, you know. Um, 
he did that because his culture also speaks to a level of gratitude and level of legacy, which, you know, uh, yeah, it's a whole nother segment. So when you read um, first Kings three and three, it says, and Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of, of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places, which is another thing we'll get into, right? But he walking in the statutes of David, his father. Think about that for a second. Because you have laws and then you have statutes, right? So there may be a larger law, but these are the directives and the instructions that my father, my light, my guide, my family head and chief has given. And I'm following that. You see, so there was a humility there from the very beginning with Solomon, which is why Adonai came in the dream and said, hey, because you you move the way you do, you can actually receive this gift. The entire world is open to you because of your humility. So anything you want that I can provide, I'll give it to you because of your humility. You know, and of course, we many of us are familiar with the story. The story goes, he asked for wisdom and um, he received more than uh, he received more than than what he than what he asked for. You know, and um, we get that with uh, verse 11 when he says, and Adonai said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life. Neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. That's pretty deep. Right. And he also said, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy ways. And if thou would walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and Solomon and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. So much there. There's so, there's so much wisdom in that. Um, so much. Again, walking in my ways and keeping my statutes. You see, that, that was a part of it. That right there is an exercise in humility. You know, because I basically just made you Superman. He said, there will be none like you before you, and there will be none like you after you. So that means you're going to be wiser than your father. You're going to be wiser than Abraham. You're going to be wiser than Moses. You're going to be wiser than Adam. You're going to be wiser than all those who came before, wiser than Imhotep, and all those who come after. You see, because of the humility 
that you made your approach with. See, a lot of times when we're seeking to know things, we don't approach with humility. We don't. You know, and sometimes it's in the very <laughs> basic of places. You know, we, we could call an information line or go to information at the bus station or at the airport, and we have an attitude. We're not even appreciative that, you know, our driver got us to the airport safely, you know, and or appreciative of the fact that we have the ability to move around or I had enough money to take this flight or I have a, a job that pays for this. You know, we're not even thinking about what came behind us. We're only thinking about what we want going forward. And as a result, we actually don't get wisdom. Wisdom doesn't open up to us. You see, and wisdom is intrinsically linked to um, gateways to the soul. It's intrinsically linked to love. You can't have one without the other. You know, because here's the thing. Think about what um, Adonai said to Shlomo. Think about what he said. He said, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart. Okay. Now, when you, when you look at the, the actual um, words that are being used here, you know, again, we say wise, we say wisdom, which is cool. And, and I want to make a note that Solomon was, was acknowledging my role. He said, you have put me over a great people. These people are amazing. And I have to have a certain kind of, or I would like to have a certain sort of wisdom in order to be able to judge, right? In order to be able to judge properly for these people that you've put me over. You see? So he's acknowledging like, this is not necessarily for me. And at the, around this time, Solomon, if we, we do some of the breakdowns. He was around, he was about 28, 30 years old, but he was around like 28, 29, right? So when he says, and I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. <laughs> you see? So again, there's, there's the humility, but acknowledge I'm not even 30 years old yet. And you've, you know, put me over these amazing people. And, and I, I would like a little help. But see, the help that he was given, the wisdom that he was given was the ability to listen. See, when you, when you actually break down what wisdom is, you know, and, and when I say break down, just look at the actual word because the word that was presented there in the Hebrew was not wisdom. The word was Shema. Okay, and Shema means to hear, but it also means the act of obedience, you know, or, or an action that's related to being obedient to what you've just heard. Shema, you know, or Shema, right? And so that idea, and that's spelled for anyone who wants to e explore that, um, that Shemim Vav, you know, Tzadi. So the, the idea um, of being able to, to listen is directly associated with wisdom, but not just to listen, but to obey. That's wisdom. So wisdom is not something that, you know, you, you, um, just generate inside of you. Like it's just this well that's self-regenerative. Like you have this, this lagoon 
within you that's, you know, just coming up with things. But wisdom is, in fact, your ability to listen to the supreme intelligence and to express what the supreme intelligence has told you. That's what wisdom is. So it's, it's no wonder that wisdom follows uh, knowledge. Knowledge is the root. Knowledge is the one. You see, knowledge is the light. It's like the light of Ra. And your ability to listen and then express it and act upon what you have heard is you being wise. So wisdom is not something that is just expressed, but wisdom is something that is done and showed and, and shown and, and demonstrated. You see, that's a critical piece. Now we, we know that wisdom is only wisdom when it's demonstrated because we can, you know, again, one of the, the famous stories, you know, that I brought up earlier was, um, the experience of, of, of Solomon with, uh, Sheba. Right. So if, if you know anything about that story, um, Sheba or Solomon rather came to the attention of Sheba because she heard of his wisdom. She heard about his wisdom. You see, and, and, and it wasn't because he was, you know, putting up flyers around town. I mean, they were nowhere near each other and letting everyone know, Hey, I'm wise. So, you know, uh, you got to honor me or bring all of your issues to me because I'm unlike anything you've ever encountered. He was demonstrating his wisdom through his works and his ability to bring peace. He was showing and proving the title Solomon. Because like I said, it really wasn't his name. His name was Jediah. And I'll, I'll get into even how wisdom is shown in that name. Right. But it was it was the Queen of Sheba. Who said, OK, I, I'm going to go see if he's wise or not. I'm going to test him with riddles. That's another part of the story. They don't tell you much because it's not necessarily depicted in um your regular uh, biblical canon, that part was removed. The actual, uh, wisdoms. I mean, I'm, excuse me, the actual wisdom, um, riddles. I said it again, but the actual, uh, riddles, you know, one of the first things she says, she says, are you the Solomon, you know, who everyone is talking about, whose wisdom I have heard of? And he said, yeah, it's me. And, um, so she was like, if you're truly wise, then I should be able to ask you something. And you'll be able to answer me. And Solomon answered her with Proverbs 2 and 6, which was for Adonai grants wisdom, knowledge and discernment are by his decree. You see, now that's that's a critical, critical, critical scripture for those who um, forget the the not only the, the, the value of humility. Right. But the purpose of, of humility. So if you you read it, I mean, even the the. The verse before it, two five. Then you will understand the fear of of the Lord and attain knowledge of God. Again, we're talking about two different entities. <laughs> For the Lord grants wisdom, knowledge, and discernment are by His decree. You see. Now that's an important thing because 
if Adonai or the supreme intelligence is granting me wisdom and knowledge and discernment are by his decree, then okay, I start my knowledge and my ability to discern by following those decrees, by being obedient to those decrees, decrees, and then I can be granted wisdom, but wisdom is not coming necessarily from me. So that means I can go through an experience in my life and think that I've become wise to that thing, but I haven't necessarily gained the wisdom of it until it's been granted to me. And the only way that it can be granted to me is that is if I am listening and obeying to what I'm here to what I'm hearing. So, you know, sometimes you'll find that in a discussion and I'm using the term discussion loosely that you may have with someone and you know, you're maybe going back and forth a bit, or this is a famous one when you have someone who likes to speak over other people, you know, and you'll let them know like, Hey, I'm, I'm every time I, I try to talk, you, you start talking, like you keep speaking over me. Can I speak please? And people who tend to do that, they all have the same exact response. Go ahead, go ahead. See, what they want to do is now dictate to you, which is another sign of their ego. So when they, so when they say you can go, now you can go. And it's a test of your own ego because at that point you could shut down, you can get angry and say, you know, you're not going to dictate the conversation to me. You know, I go when you give me permission to go or, you know, but the bottom line is when they say, go ahead, I'm listening. You're not really listening. <laughs> you're not listening. And, um, if you're someone who's talking over people all the time, what are you, what are you expressing through? Where is your wisdom actually coming from? If we're both reflective, um, or we're both made in the image of the most high, we're not saying which most high because we might have different yas, right? And those yas are speaking through us, but you're not giving Maya, a space of time to receive that wisdom because each entity has its own wisdom to impart. What Adonai is going to teach you will be different than what El Shaddai would teach you or El or, or, or El um, Rafai. They're going to give you something different, but you've closed yourself off to that and your willingness to open your, your yourself up enough to even try it, which is the obedient part. Well, let, let me, Try it. So you don't have an understanding heart. So when someone's speaking, you, you, you do anything in your power to not listen. And, you know, when you learn how to read body language, it becomes very interesting. You'll see people, they'll start fiddling with something. They'll find something to play with in their hands. They'll look at their phones. And if you look, if you look at them, look at their phones, they'll say, Oh, oh don't, 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 I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Go ahead. You know, and, What's unfortunate, because I, I have plenty of times myself stopped a conversation midstream to remind a person of the nature of the conversation. So, you know, if someone will do that to me, I'll just say, you listening to me is not that important. You don't have to listen. I'm, I'm not as wrapped up in my ego as you are. So this is not about winning, <laughs> you know, like. So you don't we we keep, we don't have to keep talking because chances are if you're speaking to someone who's not listening or who's cutting you off and talking talking over you, you're the one doing them a favor. 
you know, and there's a 90% chance, 90, it says, it's, you know, there's still 10% left, but there's a 90% chance that you're going to walk away from that encounter completely drained with no, no mutual meeting of the minds, if you will. It's not going to happen. It's going to be no collective contract of understanding or respect because a person who comes into a discussion with that sort of spirit that, you know, they're not ready. So if you continue to forward, it's really a, it's really a grace. So when they do things like that and they say like, I'm listening, go ahead, go ahead. You don't want me to talk. I'm not talking. Go ahead. Now it's a problem when I don't talk. You know, people play that game. First, it was a problem that I was talking. Now that I'm not talking, you know, when, once they shut down and you could tell they're closing you out and you say, you know, it doesn't seem like you're listening. Oh, now that I'm not talking, it's a problem. You know, everything I do is wrong. Is just cut it short. <laughs> that's, that's my, my, uh, advice to you. Cut it short. Save the rest of your day. Save the rest of your hour. Save the rest of your minute. Do not spend another second on that, that kind of spirit of someone who's just combative and, um, has no desire for mutual respect or understanding, you know? Um, and I know it can be difficult because your ego may be involved and it's like, you want to get your point off, you know, you want to, you want to, and you're hoping that by getting your point, your point off that you're going to prick this person's consciousness and a light bulb is going to go off, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's not. So yeah, you know, when Queen um of Sheba approached Solomon, she asked a couple of, of questions, and one of which was, you know, um she said, What are the seven this what are the seven that issue and nine that enter? And the two that offer drink and the one that drinks. And Solomon said to her, The seven are the uh seven days of the menstrual cycle. And the nine are nine months of pregnancy. And the two that offer drinks are the breast. And the one who drinks is the child. Right? Um, again, that's not a, you look for that riddle in your Bible, you won't find it. Um, because these things were, were held out. You know, but there was a series of questions that she put to him. And of course, he just was, you know, um, coming with the truth on each one. Uh, he even spoke about the incestuous relationship that Lot had with his daughters. When she asked, um, she said, uh, how can a woman say to her son, your father is my father, your grandfather, my husband, and you are my son and I am your sister. And, uh, Solomon then said to her, the daughters of Lot, <laughs> you know, so th there was a series of, r of riddles. And of course, you know, and we all know about the gold and the gems and, and the animals and all of the things that. Um, she came to Solomon with because the truth is she, she had more, um, she had more wealth than he did. But again, who had wisdom like him? You know, and, and the wisdom is so important because when we speak about the coming together and the making of a complete and whole person, the wisdom is key, right? Because remember, David didn't build the temple. We talk about the temple of Solomon. Why didn't his father build it? Because David was known as a man of war. And a man of war is going to be a man of conflict. Whereas Solomon received, he went from Jediah to Solomon because of the fact that he brought that level of, of integral peace 
You see, when you when he was born, it was the prophet Nathan that delivered that name. If you look at um, Samuel's second Samuel's 12, 12 chapter 25th verse, and it talks about when um, David went to go lay with Bathsheba and gave birth to Solomon and the Lord. The Elohim loved the child Solomon. And it says that the Elohim sent word through Nathan, the prophet to name him Jediah because the Elohim loved him. Solomon's name was actually Jediah. Okay. Um, it was the people who named him Solomon as his attribute. This is how he showed up in the community from, from young, you know, he brought peace so again, was a, another modeling of that, that Christos figure, you know, that Prince of Peace. But, um, when you even look at that name, Jediah, which is a very interesting name, you know, it's, it's a composite of, of Yadad and Yah. So of course we know there's no J, right? So the J's are Y. So it's actually Yadiah, you know, not Jediah, but Jediah is cool to say because then you realize, oh, this is where they got the term Jedi from. The Jedi, right? But, um, and, and also there's other names that come from it, like, um, Lydia or, or Lydia, you know, but nonetheless, so you have, uh, Yadad and Yah, and, and Yadad means to love or to be loved, but it, it's a love that's not necessarily, um, like, you know, how we would just look at like celestial or ethereal love. It's actually a physical love, like, you know, um, it could be sexual, you know, per se. Um, so it, it's a, it's a passionate sort of, sort of love, if you will. Um, but what, what's also important about that name is that when you look at Yadaya, uh, even in the way it's spelled, it's spelled with, with, uh, Yod, Yod is hand. So, um, Yada or, or Yada, which is, which is a term that's often used. It means to praise, but it also means like, um, to gamble, you know, yadad or yadad. It means to gamble, right? But, um, that yada or, or yadad or dad, it, dad is, is another term for like something that's loved or taken in hand and, and loved. And then you have the yod. So when you put it together, yadad, it's like, um, in the hand or, or taken in, in Yah's hand or bringing the love of Yah in hand. You see, that's your diet. Very, very important term. Now, why was it so important that, um, your diet or Solomon know that he was loved and that Nathan delivered that? Now, when Nathan delivered that, what was he doing? He was being wise. <laughs> That's what wisdom is. The Elohim said, Nathan, go tell them this. So he listened. He had to have the ability to listen. And then he obeyed. You see? And why was it so important that um, he received that name, Yadiah? Right? Well, think about what he came from. This is why I spoke about the joining of, of David and Bathsheba earlier. He came from 
his father's dark lust. He came from his father's perversion and his mother, really, because she knew what she was doing. But he came from perversion. You see, his his mother was married to someone else and his father pursued an adulterous, adulterated her relationship with his mother and then killed the father to cover it up. You see. So for for to come from that sort of background, you know, to come from that sort of beginning and the Elohim say, ah, don't worry about it. We love you. We love you. Okay. And you're not going to be held accountable for this swamp or this sewer of activity that you arose from. I mean, you think about even when he came into the throne, his father was about to die. Dave was about to die. And one of his other wives, which was, um, his old, had his oldest son was going to actually steal the throne that had already been given to Solomon. And in that moment, Bathsheba came forward and reminded David that, no, this is, this is Solomon's throne. You see, but he, he came into the throne already surrounded by his, his enemies. Now, with all of this, you know, I said something in the beginning that I, I hope you remember. And I said, there's something that precedes wisdom. And then there's something that, um, has to follow it or, or, you know, sort of maintain, if you will. And this is important in the case of Solomon because he was a, he was a wise child. You know, uh, there were things that he already had before, um, he asked for him. So, he was already seeking wisdom, you see. But I think it's important for us to remember. He was given this promise and this ability in a dream. He was asleep. So what was it about him when he was awake that made it so that we can't have this conversation when you're awake with your conscious mind? You got to wait till you sleep. Maybe you'll listen more when you sleep. Or you'll have that ability to um, exercise more faith when you're asleep as opposed to when you're awake, right? And we know that that, that germ of personality and character trait was already inside of Solomon, right? Of that arrogance, right? Um, but like I said, even before this, when he was young, uh, there was a, a story with Solomon when he spoke to um, Asmodeus, and you may not be familiar with Asmodeus because again, your regular Bible doesn't tell you anybody's name. <laughs> it just says Lord and God and, you know, but Asmodeus was actually the king of demons. And, um, Asmodeus had went to Solomon once he received his, his wisdom. And he said, Oh, you're, you're wise, but I'm going to show you something that you've never experienced. And he took his fingers and he put them in the ground. And a, what came up out of the ground was a, a canine. Okay. Canine. Right. So yeah, that cane. Um, and the canine had a double head. All right. And the canines were or are a group of people who were known to live underground. And they had a, they have a different physical makeup than those who live in what's called 
the upper ground, right? But what happened was when he pulled the canine up, and the canine couldn't get back down to its to its home underground. And um, Asmodeus couldn't even get the canine back underground. So the canine um, ended up living on Earth. And he, he eventually had a wife and um, he produced seven sons and they all were like him. They all had two head, two heads. So at one point there was a dispute. And, you know, when um, the, the original, the first canine that he pulled out of the ground um, had died and there was a property dispute that happened. And one of the sons um, that had two heads. Well, actually, only one of them had the had the, the two heads. I'm sorry. On the other six that he brought forth, look, you know, like up above grounders, if we will, right? So the the one who had two heads, similar to Ochosi, right? If you ever remember the breakdown I did on the Orisha Ochosi, the Ochosi clan, they have extra legs and extra heads, things like that. Um, and sometimes we see people like that today, right? We call them, um, twins. But, um, the one who had two heads, the canine, he said, well, I deserve two portions of the inheritance because there's two of me, right? So, um, what Solomon did was he was like, okay, I, I have, he, he spoke to, um, Adonai. He said, you know, um, Adonai who appeared to me in Gibeon, who gave me my gift, but only wisdom. You know, I didn't ask for silver. I didn't ask for gold. I only asked for wisdom. Please help me so that I may be able to judge injustice. And it's, it's known that Adonai heard him and gave him wisdom. So Solomon calls the Canaanite back and he says, okay, I have a solution. He gets hot like boiling water. And he poured it on one of the heads of the canine. And when that happened, both of the heads like screamed and said, we're dying. You're killing us. We're, we're not one, but we're, we're, we're one. We're not two. So then Solomon said, well, then you're one single being. You get one portion. Okay. That's one of the stories about um, Solomon's wisdom. Of course, you always hear the story about the babies, you know, about the women, the two harlots that came and, um, they were fighting over the baby, you know, and really technically that's, those were spirits who came. They weren't actually, um, people, you know, um, because that needed to be done so that the people would know of Solomon's wisdom. Because you remember after he pronounced his judgment about the quarrel of the mothers with the, with, with the child and it was fair and it made sense. Then his wisdom went through, or the word of his wisdom went throughout the land. Okay. So that's, that's an example. Um, is another, uh, great story because it connects with, with Cush. Uh, there was a time, and this is when Solomon, before he received his wisdom, when he was really young and David was still alive. And there was an, there was an issue with the man who had, um, he had sent his son to Cush you know, on a business trip. And when the son returned, the father had died, but one of the, the, the slaves of the father had gotten rid of like all the other slaves, like basically scared him away and whatnot. 
And um, he said that he was the son of the man who died and he was entitled, you know, to, to all of the property. And so when the son came back, he had no one who could witness for him. Um, he had no way of getting rid of the slave. Like he was basically at a loss. So what Solomon did, um, he had the father's remains dug back up at the corpse dug up and he took one of the bones of, um, the father who, who died and he put the blood of the slave on the bone. He dyed it with it. And then he took the blood of the other one who was a son on the bone and the blood of the slave didn't congeal with the bone. It didn't connect. Whereas the blood of the son, it absorbed into the bone. It had an affinity with the bone, with the bone, which proved that, um, this blood was a true heir, you know? So the real son was able to secure his inheritance in that way. Probably never heard that story either, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what they do though. <laughs> they keep the real wisdom for you. They just tell you about the, oh, the, the children and the baby. He was, said, I'll cut the baby in half. But the, the whole, the whole key of that story was that his wisdom had to go out. So that's how Sheba heard about him. It was through things like that. Like, wow, he's, he's wise. And you know, you remember Queen of Sheba, this was touched up upon in that movie, 3000 years of longing wasn't necessarily or possibly fully human, you know? Um, and of course Sheba is around, it was in Ethiopia or, or, or Yemen around that area. And What's interesting, there's a reference to the Queen of Sheba where I would also even say, no one brings this up for some strange reason, but uh, if you read in um, Matthew 12 and 42, also Luke eleven thirty one, 31, where Yeshua says that the Queen of, of, of the South will bear witness on the day of judgment, condemning all Israelites who rejected Yeshua as their Lord, right? Now, what's interesting about that scripture is because when he says Queen of the South, and this is the same Queen of the South, just like the show. You, you have, there's a show that comes on, Queen of the South. These names are not accidental. But um, Yeshua identifies the Queen of the South as the one who visited King Solomon to benefit from his wisdom. So he's talking about Queen of Sheba. He's saying the Queen of Sheba will judge, will bear witness on the day of judgment, condemning those Israelites who rejected Yeshua as Lord. So there's, there's so much, so much science there, right? But, um, <laughs> again, this is not, maybe we'll talk about Sheba another time, but we're speaking about what happened. So now what happened with Solomon, right? Cause this isn't, the, this isn't the end of his tale. I'm telling you about all the, the great ways he was, right? Well, Solomon was given instructions on what to do and what not to do as a king. And good old Solomon violated him. And this was around like his, uh, we say maybe around his 60s, 60s or 70s. He violated him, those laws that he was given. Um, he created this environment, you will, or this place where there was a lot of religious compromise. You know, remember 
worship of idols and things have been forbidden since Moses, you know, and Solomon not only married foreign women, which he wasn't supposed to do. He was supposed to pull from his own people, but he married uh, one of the daughters of a Pharaoh. And, but he also, he and his people begin to worship in what they call high on high places. And this was, they worshiped on high places because they wanted to get closer to the Elohim. That was a whole science of like having the altar going up because the Elohims typically lived in the mountains another story right but um he wasn't supposed to do that especially as a ruler right and this was breaking really his promise to to adonai you know he didn't necessarily have a strong place in his heart for adonai right and you know keep in mind too like one of the most brilliant things that we always talk about solomon doing like as far as like oh asking for wisdom he did that while he was asleep so this is why I say, you know, sometimes in our conscious state, there's a certain ego that's present that we're we're not acknowledging. We're, we're overlooking, you know, um, but that was that was, you know, one of the things he did, um, not only marrying the foreign wives, which was spoken about. You shouldn't do that. That was back in Exodus, Exodus chapter 34 chapter, um, worshiping the foreign gods. He allowed us. His foreign wives are also worshipped. Their their foreign gods in, in Israel, where when they should have been converted, then he built temples for his wives. Right, so he's building temples to these other deities or these other Elohim after he already made a covenant with this with with this other Elohim. Adonai said, "Okay, I'm going to give you the wisdom." Right. So again, always acknowledgement that there there were other. This Elohim is plural. There are other gods. You know that. That's not the problem. The problem is you, you made a contract with me and your father's made a contract with me. And these are the conditions of that contract. And you're, you're violating a the contract. Then he really misused a lot of his wealth. You know, he built like a huge palace. He imposed a lot of taxes on his people, um, that he should not have. Um, because he wanted to maintain this very extravagant sort of way of, of, of living. Um, he killed his, his, uh, his brother, you know, Adonijah. And, uh, because he thought Adonijah would be, um, conspiring against, against the throne. Um, then let me see what else that he did. Yeah. Oh, he also hired, um, people who were not of his spiritual group to build his temple and his palace. That's something that, to consider, you know, when you think about buying land and building a house or maybe even putting a shrine on your property, who's building the shrine? You see, who's building it? If it means that, well, I don't know how to build something as elaborate as I want. Well, then maybe you just need to have a lean to, you know, learn how to build a small shed yourself. Or, or get some righteous men that you know who can come and build those things. But he also made like a lot of treaties with, um, nations that were against his covenant. So there were people who, who were in outright rebellion against the covenant that he had created with his Yah and he made pacts with them. So as a result, this is what, um, these are the things that brought about the downfall 
of King Solomon. You see, so you look at that. When we're seeking wisdom and when we're gaining and acquiring wisdom, it's not just about, you know, um, the humility that you show in the beginning, but it's the humility that you show afterwards and having a place in your heart for that archetype or that energy that you've made your commitment to. You see, when you're just like he had a he in there originally, he had a place in his heart for his people. This is why he wanted the wisdom. But what happens after time? You become arrogant. I know everything. There's no one like I mean, Adonai told me there's no one less like me before me. I'm wiser than my father. I'm wiser than my children. There's no one wiser than me. But what does wiser mean? Just. No one has the ability. No one has the ability to listen like I can. But what happens if I choose to stop listening? Because I think I know everything. And this happens when we approach our spirituality and our personal development from this perspective. I just want to get it. I just want to get to the place where I just understand this stuff. I just want to know this stuff. I'm tired of feeling like I don't know things all the time. I'm tired of feeling like making mistakes all the time. I just want to get it. Yeah, well, that's when you you enter into the later stages of Solomon's life and everything will fall apart. Because getting it means that there's nothing else to be told to you. When you're seeking for wisdom should not be, I get it. You're seeking for wisdom should be, I'm listening now. Now my my mind has been cleared of, of the clutter and the clamor and the static. And not only am I listening, truly listening, not like that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening. Talk. Not that. Not only am I truly listening, but I am truly acting upon what is being said. That's wisdom. I'll give you an easy one on that one. You know, knowledge is the man, woman's is, 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 is the, the woman. Wisdom is the woman and understanding is the child. If I'm dealing with a woman who does not listen to what I tell her to do, she's not my wisdom. Simple. She's not my wisdom. There's no way around that. If I have to repeat myself, you're not my wisdom. We may still interact. You may think you're my wisdom. <laughs> Because you have a perverted and distorted way of looking at, but I know you're not my wisdom. I know you're, I know you're not my rib. The moment I have to repeat myself, the moment I say, but wait a minute, why'd you do it? I told you to do it this way. Now look what happened. Oh yeah. Well, I figured I was going to do this and do it. Okay. You're not, you, you're clearly not made in my image. Clearly. Cause you're listening to something else. You see. Wisdom being the wisdom. When we say, oh, the black woman is wisdom, the black man is, is God, the black man is knowledge. Not necessarily. When they are acting in their fullness of their capacity, then that is present. If not, then they're just moving around like any other savage and just hiding. So Solomon fell back into a savage state. You see, he wasn't wisdom. When he, be, when he, when he got older, he's listening and following women who had a, a covenant with something completely different 
than what he had a covenant with. And when I say what, I'm speaking about um, high-arch deities. And some of them may have been low, lower deities. I know one of them had a covenant with Balaam. You know, so it's the same thing in our in our practical life, if you will. Wisdom is, is never achieved until it's shown. And wisdom is shown through listening and obedience. Okay. So that's what I wanted to uh, share with you all today. And willfully, um, some of that teaching will help. And just understand that at least listening is such a deep thing because it's said that that Solomon gave us over 3,000, 3,000 proverbs. 3,000 proverbs. But the reality is he didn't even write 800 proverbs. He wrote, it just, it's, it's like 800 and change. So what does that mean that he wrote, that he gave us 3,000, but he, he wrote about 800? It means that what he gave us can be interpreted from so many different perspectives and angles when you're actually truly listening and reading with an open heart and an understanding heart that it multiplies. You see, so one statement could be can be equated to five statements. See, when you're not approaching something with that, I just want to get it. Then you'll you'll see the multiplicity in what's being offered to you. The same goes for these podcasts. If you're just listening on the surface. Yeah, I heard that one. I listened to that one. What you got next? I spoke for an hour. You think I was only speaking about wisdom? You think I accidentally said Adonai or I accidentally mentioned the king of demons or I give you, I gave you stories about the queen of Sheba and Solomon that you can't find in your regular, but you think that was by accident <laughs> or I let you know that his name was Yadiah, but I actually said Jediah first or that it was Nathan, the prophet. Why did I mention Nathan? I could just said a prophet. Why did I tell you who? You see, so when you're you're really listening with discernment, you begin to speak with discernment. You begin to speak in a way where one thing means many things. You almost begin to speak in a in, in a proverbial uh, sort of sense, right? But again, to receive that humility is your start. To sustain and maintain it, humility and humility says, "I I never got it." <laughs> I'll never get it because it's not mine to get. I'm like Nathan, the prophet. It just flows through me. You oh, deliver this message. Okay, here you go. I may be perceived a certain way by the people. So Yediah was perceived as Solomon by the people. This is why even when Yeshua came forth and they said, who are you? And he says, he said, who do men say I am? You see. Why did he never give his name? He could say, hey, I'm Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> you know, but he never gave a name. Who do you say I am? Okay, we'll work from there. You see. So that's what I wanted to share. And I want to thank you all for following along. Um, willfully, you, you, you got something good and you're able to use some of the, this, what we may call theoretical wisdom and now involve the proper order of scientific knowledge and the principles that you need to logically deduce, you know, the things that you should be doing 
you know, in life. Even those things that you may think or, or feel are, are, are undefinable. All right. So I wanted to share something too before we're heading out. Um, in, in the, the coming Gregorian 2023, I will be reshaping, uh, how this podcast is, is, uh, delivered. It's good stuff, right? We're going to be expanding a bit more and adding, um, adding a bit more, I guess we could say in terms of meaning and, and in form. And one of the things that I'm offering, but I, I want to make something clear as I'm saying it is, um, an opportunity for you all to ask your questions and, and have, uh, them answered, you know, through the podcast. So you can, for now, you know, we're going to expand this even further, but for now you can start sending questions to questions at chief questions at chief the word questions at chief Okay. And, um, your questions won't, won't be answered right away. We'll be collecting them and then sorting through them. And then, you know, when I change the format of the podcast, I'll be sharing them, but I want to start now because I know some of you who do follow the podcast, you're like maybe a few episodes behind. That's what people always tell me. Like I'm still writing my notes on the ones from before. So you may not hear this in some, I'm starting the announcements now. <laughs> so that way by time um, we make the change, everyone will be well-informed, even if you're, you're behind a little bit. All right. So don't worry about it. So I'm going to say it again on my next podcast. All right. Um, but yeah, you know, you definitely can send in your questions and um, we'll, when we close out this season of our podcast, which will be in November, uh, we'll be starting with a much more interactive and sort of engaging experience going forward. All right. So again, make sure you're subscribed. Please definitely uh, leave reviews. It, it always helps on, on iTunes, leave reviews for the books. It always helps. It only takes a moment to do, uh, and it's free, <laughs> you know, um, and definitely, um, as far as the, uh, what's the, the social media sites, you, you have all of my, my links are pretty much the same chief Yuya and they, they can all be found in the descriptions of these segments, as well as uh, links to join my spiritual community, which is Anu life global ministries. Uh, there's a link for joining in that space as well and some other things. Also, uh, I'll put it out there and I wasn't going to say it yet, but for those, um, who are asking for coaching, you knew that 2022 was my sabbatical 2023. I will be accepting clients again. There is already a, a waiting list. All right. So I just want to put that out there for you. So, uh, if you send me a, an email now, as some have been doing, um, you, you may not get in in the first quarter because there are already some some waiting. And unlike years prior, I have uh, cut my client load a, 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 just just a little bit, not much. But uh, I was working with a lot of people. And, you know, the, the reality is burnout is real. And and for the type of work that I do with people, uh, I have to be fresh. <laughs> all the time. I got to be fresh. I got to be fresh when you're not fresh. I always have to be energized and ready and alert and observant. And I can't let anything get in that way. So that means, yeah, I'm going to take maybe two or three less people and take that time to recharge or 
go for a hike, go or whatever I, I need to do to get right. Um, it, it only helps the value of what I bring. All right. So I just want to put that out there, but yeah, you can, um, go to Osiris life, uh, for, for, for the coaching and, um, you know, in the same holds for ask Osiris, although I will not be doing spiritual readings going forth. Um, some of you have been asking about that and even trying to send me money. Now you don't, don't send me any money for spiritual readings. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why people think they can bully their way <laughs> into a spiritual reading. Like I said, I'm not doing it now. Well, here's the money you got. No, here's the refund. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's not going to be happening, but we're going to be working more through a coaching model, whether it's spiritual coaching, business coaching, you know, life coaching, which is obviously always the, um, the larger, uh, sort of, sort of definition there. But, um, and the things that we speak about in these segments, but going obviously much deeper and on a personal level. All right. So I just want to put that out there, you know, as the Gregorian fast approaches, we have like less than 90 days left in this one. And, um, we'll be reinventing again <laughs> as, as we do. All right. So thank you again for listening and, and please be sure to subscribe, leave your feedback and, uh, questions at chiefuya.com for those who want to start getting in the queue for having their questions answered. You're going to have to be patient though, because, you know, they'll be, they'll be answered in red, um, in 2023, technically. All right. Okay. So everyone, please enjoy the rest of your day and be well. All right. Peace.